open up your chest and you learn how to feel A big, bleeding heart go dump, dump, dump And a big old love, that's how you overcome Life slip, come down, now to keep it real Open up your chest and you learn how to feel A big, bleeding heart go dump, dump, dump And a big old love, that's how you overcome Tick, tick, we wishing Told y'all we was gonna kick a freestyle. I'm come about to come straight off the dome with this. Live in the studio. Young monk kicking straight off the dome I'm sitting here in the safety of my home The studio, I'm not trying to act so rude though But some of y'all rude boys, y'all need to get in the know I'm here uh, with the ebb and the flow Just like the tides in the ocean Y'all need to look inside of you and understand Where your devotion is, the motion that you're doing Some of y'all so creaky, so I gotta hit you with the lotion I get greasy in it, cause I keep easy in it And I get funky, cause I'm gonna dunk it on Come straight down the lane and put it on your face Looking up in your walls in the future Now you got my poster on your wall What you're seeing Because I know what I'm doing I ain't fleeing but I'm freeing you I got that sense of liberty And everybody wanna get a sense of feeling Like it's early But I'm not worthy Oh yes you are I'm worthy Like James I got a ring on my finger I guess I am the champion I take it like the Lakers Magic Johnson coming one time I give you that assist man And I am the assist man But sometimes I can put it in the paint I'ma score it, man. You gotta look down in your hand to hand. Look in your hands and know where you're gonna stand. Are you understanding? I mean, you're standing under something, and those words they got you goo, but you don't got the gumption to have the unction to know anything about what you're gonna do with your function. So I'ma bring it back around one time, and everybody wanna look at me to drop the dime. But if you wanna come on here, you better bring the truth. It's your boy, Young Monk, rocking that eternal youth. Peace. Ha. What's up, world? I told y'all, I told y'all, I was going to drop a freestyle on here. That was straight off the dome. And if you know, then you know. So yeah, uh, the Kitchen Single, it dropped today, May 23rd, when I'm recording this. So it'll already be live. Well, it's already live now, but it'll have been live for a few days once this episode drops. So get that. It's on all digital streaming platforms. So look up Glory. As the artist, look for the song Kitchen. It's Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and a whole bunch of other stuff I'm not even familiar with. It's on all those platforms. I'm a little annoyed because the, the artwork like posted sideways, so we're trying to get that fixed. But regardless, <clears throat> go listen to that. Go bump it. You know, tell your friends, share, get it going. And listen to what we're saying in the words, man. That's the main thing. Right, we, we dropping the hip-hop. I'm an MC, so I ain't just putting words down to rhyme. I'm putting words down to say something, to hit you in a way you might not necessarily receive it if I were just talking to you. All right. And also, shout out to my boy T-Raw, man. He, he killed, absolutely killed that beat. We're going to do a little Q&A today. So let's just get right, right into it. Um, so we got... 
Question from a listener here. Uh, I have a strong core, but no abs showing. How do I get rid of a layer of fat? So um, we could go a lot of different ways with this. And again, um, I'm not a doctor. So you got you to gotta take that with a grain of salt. And I'm not a specialist. I train, I train athletes for athletic performance in sports-specific pursuits, okay? Now, if you want to get stronger, you want to lose weight, you want to shred, you want to increase your endurance, I'm kind of like a jack-of-all-trades. I can get you started on that and get you to a decent level of proficiency in any of those pursuits. But if you want to get more into the specifics or go further into any of those realms, I'm not specialized enough to give you the best ad advice, right? I could get you super strong to a point, but if you wanted to keep pushing the envelope, you would have to get with someone more specialized in that pursuit. So all that being said, here are a few things I could say. Uh, the first thing I would say though is functionally, are you able to do what you need to do? Whether you're an athlete, whether it's just who you are in your everyday, everyday life. You say you have a strong core, so the strength isn't a problem. My deal is why are the optics, why is the perception visually of what you look like such a big deal, right? Because the way I look at it is, is like, first of all, if, if you're able to function and get the tasks done that you need to do, then what you look like to me doesn't really matter. Okay, like actually for me personally, when I'm doing my best athletically, I don't necessarily look my best aesthetically all of the times because the stuff I would do to shred and quote unquote, look a little better or bulk up and look a little better. I'm not as effective athletically in the other tasks that I have to do. So this idea of what you look like, that's um just, it's a bunch of BS cultural appropriation. This is culture. Like we're all worried about the appearances, but Honestly, like it doesn't matter what you appear like. It's about whether you feel good or not. Now, if you, you feel bad about yourself because of that, you got to understand or you got to start sitting with yourself and understanding why do you feel bad about that? Why do you really want to look a certain way and sit with that? But my encouragement to you, like if you're functional and it's not like a health issue, you know, you're, you're in a good spot. Like the, the abs showing, that's just something that's the advent of the last 50 years, really. And then I could show you a picture of me from one month. I do a specific type of training or dieting the next month. And then I look a lot better on a shred, but my actual functionality is a lot worse. But other things to consider. Um, I don't know if you're a male or female. So depending on that, that, that could have a lot to do with it as well. I mean, men naturally have less body fat percentage than women. So that's part of it. Men naturally have more muscle density than women. That's part of it. Now, women have more body fat naturally. Why is that? Because they are built to carry kids and you need some of that extra body fat in order to do that. So you um, it's not something to feel bad about or ashamed about on either side of it. Well, all, what I'm, all I'm saying is in order to give you that advice, um, those specifics, you don't have to hit, hit me with it, but those specifics, um, can affect 
what you need to do and how you need to train and how you need to go about it if that really is your goal. Okay. I'm sensing, though, it seems like it's more of a perception thing. It's like, so understand, like, why do you have that perception first? And if it is just something you want to do just for you, might make you feel better, um, then sure, go about it. But I always, I want to hit people with the mental side of things first. Other things, though, I don't know what your diet's like. I don't know what your current training program is like. If you're not training at all, then you need to start training first, period, End of story. Um, if you're not training at all, anyway, if you're not training at all, I mean, that's the first thing, right? Your core strong, whether naturally or maybe you had trained in the past and now you're not. Well, that would explain that layer of fat. But however, let's say you are training. I would need to know, like, what type of training that you're doing. Now, what I'm going to get into now are just commonalities I see with people who ask me questions like that. Um, the common thing I see with most people who are trying to lose fat is that they aren't doing enough explosive activity. They aren't doing enough high intensity activity. So what I mean is you feel like you're working out, you might do a little pump and then go run on the treadmill for an hour or go hit the elliptical for an hour or go hit a spin class. All those things are good. Great cardio keeps you in shape, keeps your cardiovascular system healthy. However, your body makes adaptations and if you are not doing things to basically, if you're doing long, slow distances, any type of cardio, you're having like, if you were running, you actually have to get to where if you were just jogging, you know, jogging at a nice, nice, you know, nice, slow pace, you would have to run for an hour or more to even hit a threshold where you were burning fat for most people. So you feel like you're, you're burning calories for sure, but you're not burning fat. You're burning all the glycogen that's in your blood, all of this. Okay, so first, just from a training perspective, my suggestion would be do keep doing what you're doing if you're training, but you need to add some more explosive activity, some more high-intensity activities into what you're doing. So, I mean, the easiest one I tell everybody is like run, run some sprints. Like, like straight up add some sprinting into your training program. That's one way to get it or do something sports specific. Um, you know, jumping is good if you want to shred and lose a layer of fat as well. So sports like basketball and volleyball are great on that. And you get your cardio in as well. Um, you have to make sure also that you're healthy enough. So if you got knee, joint, ankle, whatever problems before you start doing Explosive activities, you got to get those healthy enough to where you can do the more explosive high intensity activities through with the proper range of motion, with proper form, all these things. Other suggestion I would say is lift heavy, right? Lift some heavy weights um, and, or look for, got to do um, isometric ab exercises, planks, things like that. Those can all help shred, Again, jump rope. Like I said in a previous podcast, jump rope is one that can increase the intensity and you get into a fat burning zone a lot quicker than if you're just running. And it's also going to help with um, strengthen your joints, your tendons and your ligaments. That might be something to add into your, your tool belt. And then the other things, though, would be diet. I don't know what your diet's like. 
And this is why keto's become so popular, because if you're in keto, I can go do that long, slow distance cardio, and I'm already in a fat burning zone because there's no glycogen in my bloodstream. So glycogen, right, the sugar that's in your bloodstream, your body uses that as fuel first. So if you don't have that glycogen in your system, right, then that's where like stuff like keto becoming fat adapted is helpful is because you, your body isn't, doesn't have that glycolytic input and so it's able to just start burning fat immediately. You don't have to push through like an hour of cardio to deplete all your glycogen and then do so. All right. So those are, those are just a few suggestions on where you're at. So the thing about it w would be also just what's your diet like and your diet can, can, um, I, it has a bigger factor to play probably in your training as to why you have that layer of fat. You might be eating things in a way that never allow your body to get into a fat burning zone. So you have to teach your body how to burn fat. You know, for me personally, I did that a long time ago. Um, so I burned fat really easily. Uh, but some people, you might be working out and training all kinds of different ways and you're in good shape, but there's a certain level of where you feel like, okay, there's some fat on me and I don't know how to get rid of it. And it might just be your body's not good at burning fat and the way you get your body good at um, burning fat is through diet. Another way to do it, and this is real uncomfortable for people, another way to do it is fast. And this is how I got good at it. So I'll be fasted, you know, I'll wake up in the morning so I usually stop eating about eight o'clock at night. I'll wake up in the morning. So I've already been fasted. Um, I'll hit my workout. So I've been fasted for nine, 10 hours. I hit my workout and I don't have that glycolytic input. I'm fasted. Now it is uncomfortable. There's some discomfort to it when you, when you first start, cause your body's not used to it. And you're going to start to learn and understand that like, Oh, I think I'm hungry, but I'm really not. It's just, your body readjusting to the input you're giving it, but working out fasted, especially with cardio is a good way to kind of hack and get into a zone where you're fat burning. But so all that being said, there are some tools in your belt, some things you can experience or experiment with. But again, I don't know enough specifics to give you specific advice, but there are some things you could try again. It, a lot of it's going to depend on, are you a male or female? What's your diet like? Are you training or are you not training? What type of training you're already doing? And all of those different things. Sleep is also a factor in this. If you're not sleeping enough per night and you don't have enough recovery, oddly enough, right, when I, um, like when we're in season and stuff and I'm not sleeping as much, I tend to put on weight more quickly, whereas... It seems counterintuitive, right? Because you'd be sleeping less, you're burning more calories throughout the day. But what happens is your stress hormones go up um, more quickly. And then when you have a stress hormone, you get in flight or fight zone. And then in flight or fight zone, your body is telling you, hey, hold on to the fat because you might need some extra energy down the road. So whereas if you're getting more sleep and you're more rested, you actually tend to lose weight more quickly and burn fat better. So hopefully that will, um, that's helpful to you. Like I said, again, I need, I would need more specific. So hopefully there's enough information there specifically for you to apply to your circumstance.
Next question. How to increase vertical jump? <laughs> Y'all are down with these fitness questions, man. How to increase vertical jump? Again, specific to a lot of people. Uh, it depends a lot on are you a power jumper or an elastic jumper? You know, there's two types of jumping. Some people are more naturally powerful. That's like me in my case. Some people are more naturally elastic. So uh, you have guys like, if you were to compare two NBA players, right, to the GOATs. So if you look at Michael Jordan, he's primarily an elastic jumper, meaning um, he's using the elasticity from his joints, his tendons, his, the fascia, the muscles that you don't see, and that's how he's able to get his explosion. Whereas LeBron is a power jumper, right? So he is elastic too, don't get me wrong, but primarily if you watch the way that he jumps, the way that he moves, it's he has speed and momentum, and then he has a lot of muscular force that he's able to generate to jump as high as he does. And if, if you watch and study how the two of those guys jump and move and play, you'll, you'll see the difference, right? So there's, there's that. Most people naturally are one or the other. And you can develop and train each one. So if you're naturally an elastic jumper or naturally ela more elastic, right, you would want to train your power base a little more. Whereas if you were naturally a power jumper like me, Right, I build up that power base, I get strong really fast, and I'm naturally pretty strong. But what takes a hit is the elasticity. So if I'm not training my elasticity, I hit a plateau really quickly. So for me, it's like, yeah, I keep my strength base up and I'm strength training, but what helps me increase my vertical jump is training my elasticity. So that's reactive speed, like doing depth jumps. That's working in isometrics, into my programming, into my training, along with doing all the strength stuff that I do. The thing about vertical jump is also is it's like hills and valleys. You got to look at training your vertical jump, not as, oh, well, I jumped really, really good this, you know, two weeks ago. Then I went to do a session and uh, I'm not jumping as high. Well, that's how it goes. When your body's making that new adaptations, you might boom, increase, and then you might go down for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, boom, hit another increase. Then you might hit a plateau for a long time. The biggest tip I could give anybody training to try to increase their vertical jump is there are no secrets, there are no hacks. It literally just comes down to consistency, right? You gotta jump, you gotta jump a lot, but you don't want to jump when you're tired, and that's the one thing. And then two, you have to give yourself recovery time. So those are things that I think often we don't, you don't see or common miss. Like you need recovery time. You have to jump and jump a lot, meaning like you need to jump one or two days a week. I usually jump, I do like plyometrics once a week. And then I do a dunk session or a specific jump session once a week. So I'm jumping twice a week, but the plyometrics, it's more about form and reactive speed. I'm not like taxing my central nervous system when I do that. And then at the end of the week, usually I do a dunk session 
or if I don't have a goal, I might just be doing, you know, all kinds. I might sprint and try to do a long jump or do, um, <clears throat> do different footwork drills that lead into a type of jumping. Um, well, those are all things that lead to the increase of vertical jump. Another really good technique where you can kind of get jumping and your strength training all at once, a method called post activation potentiation. This is something I've done personally. This is something I do with my athletes because I'm usually training big groups of athletes in a big group session and we have a limited amount of time. So this is a way where you're getting all of that work in. And if you do it consistently, you'll see increases on your vertical jump and your resiliency across the board. But basically the idea is do a heavy weighted movement and then you follow it by a plyometric movement. And you can do this with upper body or lower body and it increases the explosive power. So the idea is like you might do a back squat. You might do like a heavy back squat, one or two reps, rest a little bit, and then you would want to do some tuck jumps, right? And jump as high as you can on those tuck jumps. But the idea is, right, you have, let's say you have your body weight, right? You're doing a back squat. You have, you have your body weight. You have 225 pounds on the bar plus your body weight. You squat that. So your body has, and your central nervous system is potentiated to the fact that like, oh, I'm not only going to have to move my body weight. I'm moving my body weight plus 225 more pounds and this way, when you go to jump, your body is primed to produce more force off the ground because you just had a weighted load on there. So the idea is that from your nervous system's perspective, it's becoming acclimated to produce more force because you just um, did an exercise where there was weight on it. So you can do these, like I said, good resources. I mean, there's good resources all over the place. I'm always... Uh, I'm always a proponent. You got to do what works for you. There are general principles that will help, but there's no one program that's going to be better than another program. It's all specific to you. I had a lot of good initial success with Tim Grover's jump attack program. And then other sources I've used, um, knees over toes guys, a good one. And his is just in terms of bulletproofing. So if you're training to jump or you're doing athletic stuff, his stuff isn't necessarily going to increase your vertical jump. His stuff is going to prevent you from getting injured, which in turn, if you're not injured and you're not hurting yourself, you can go do the things more with more consistency, which in turn will increase your vertical jump, right? So if I'm not having to take time off from a dunk session because I'm hurt or I got a tweet going on, what's going to happen? If I have to take less days off in that sense and miss less sessions, right? I'm going to, my vertical is going to get better. I'm going to improve in my athletic ability. So those are a few things. So it really just comes down to three components, right? You got consistency, proper technique and range of motion, then strength and speed. That's really what jumping comes down to. So um, if you're strong, then work on your work on your speed. If you're fast, work on your strength. And I cycle through these. This is what I do. I do, you know, a month, a two month block where I'm just working on range of motion and technique. Then I do a two month block where I'm building the strength up. Then I do a two month block where I'm working on speed. And usually by, you know, it's six months, usually at the end of that six months, I've cycled up to where I'm hitting a pretty good number. 
and then you rest a little bit and then you go do the whole thing again and just going through that process you know i've seen a a 13 inch increase on my max vertical in the last 18 months you know but this comes from my background as well i did this pretty much full time for about 10 11 years then i took some time off and then i came back and started doing it again after six or seven years so I had all that background of training. This is why I was able to increase so highly or so quickly. But I don't like to measure my max at one level, you know, after, with no training after, you know, six or seven years versus, okay, 18 months of training. And then I had a 13 inch increase. A lot of other factors that went into that. But the number I like to look at the most is what I'm able to do on any given day. If I look at any given day, whether I'm feeling good, or whether I'm feeling bad, whether um, I'm right at the peak of my cycle or I'm at the end of my cycle and my, my vert's really going to be peaking, what I look at is on any given day, I'm jumping five to six inches higher than I was before I started training. So like... What I can do on a bad day now is better than what I could do on a good day before I started training again. So that's one thing with a vertical jump you have to understand is always be consistent with it. And you just got to, it takes time. So you just have to, if you want to increase your vertical jump for real, and it, it's going to improve your health, I think, overall too, because it stretches your joints and ligaments out. It Put you in a place where in terms of longevity, it teaches you how to land. It teaches you foot speed. And these are all things that lead to energy or injury as you get older. But you got to be gracious with yourself. And you got to understand like it's a long game with increasing your vertical jump. There's not a hack where, oh, well, can I increase my vertical in 13 inches in a month? Uh, no. And I think any program that advertises that, um, it's probably selling you short. It's probably not true. Now, there are specific cases where some really, really weird things can happen, but consistently and realistically, probably not. So there's my two cents about that. All right, next one. Oh, you are just pulling all kinds of shots. What is your opinion on the coronavirus? I'm not even sure what that means. Uh, I feel, you know, kind of like you might be baiting me on this, whoever asked that question, but opinion on it. So here's the deal, man. Like, look, a lot of people think this is some scheme of the elite, of the Illuminati or whatever you believe in to try to control the population. And then they want mass obedience because they're trying to control the population and use eugenics to get rid of a bunch of the population and then create a slave class. Well, and the only thing I will say is like, bro, you're already a slave to your employment. So let's just, like I said in the previous podcast, what do you do if you don't work? What happens to you? You die. Okay. So when we're getting in that and say, Oh, well, all these people are slaves. They're controlled. They're wearing a mask, whatever. Like, bro, look, you're, you're a slave to the dollar already and you don't even know it. Okay. <laughs> you're a slave to the idea that you're afraid of being a slave already and you don't even know it. So my opinion on this though, man, it's your personal choice. You feel like you need to wear a mask 
and that's where you're at, then cool, man. Cool. That's on you. That's your opinion. You feel like you don't need to wear a mask. That is cool also. But here's the problem we're getting into with all of this. It's like wearing a mask or not wearing a mask has become a flag of um, moral soapboxing and moral grandstanding. Right, since when did trying to re do what's right for you or trying to respect the rights of another person become this moral imperative, this political soapbox, this self-righteous thing to stand upon? And we see both sides doing this, right? Oh, I don't wear a mask because I'm not controlled. You're an idiot because you wear one and you believe whatever the government tells you. You can't trust big government. And then you got other people like, no, I wear a mask because I care about people. You don't care about people. You're just a disrespectful fool and you're going to get us all sick and we're going to die. Like, look, there's a ditch on either side of the argument. Here's my opinion. Or my opinion is simply that is up to you. It's your choice. But you do not have the right to judge and hold in contempt a person who disagrees with you. It is their personal choice also. Especially if you're like, Bro, I don't want to be controlled. You don't want to be controlled. So why do you give yourself the right to try to control the decisions that other people make? Hmm. Wonder. So it's a personal choice, man. Like me, where I'm at, I don't like wearing the mask. Like personally, but if I'm in a store, for instance... And I could tell I'm near somebody who has theirs on and they seem nervous and they seem like they might have an immune compromise and be immunocompromised or whatever. I'll put that mask on out of respect for that person. Right? Just, just simply that out of respect and honor for where they're at. Right? If I'm just chilling in my house, I'm just chilling by myself or I'm around a bunch of people who aren't worried about it. I won't wear it. You know, does it work or does it not work? I don't know. And then again, people might be getting on here being like, bro, here's all they like. Look, go do the research. This is with everything in life. It's not just a uh, it's not just applying to this. It's with anything. It's with your political affiliation. It's with even with experiencing God. Go do your own research. Go experience life. Step out from behind the screen and out from behind the keyboard and go experience life. Go be around real flesh and blood people in the flesh in real situations. Get some of that experience and then formulate your own opinion. But then understand just because you have your own opinion does not mean everybody else has to share your opinion. And that's okay. And that's all right. Okay. So there's my opinion on that. Let's see how much more time we got. All right. Uh, what is your opinion on the vaccine? So, again, I don't know enough about the vaccine to give you a good opinion on it. Really don't. I know there's a lot going around that it's not tested. or We're, we're just being one big global clinical trial for this. And there are a lot of people that are experiencing side effects a lot of people it's helping them a lot of people think it's a big um <clears throat> corporate ponzi scheme again we get into control conspiracy theories whatever my opinion on the vaccine again simply 
It's your personal choice. Do your research and make the right decision for you and for your family. I think the core, though, what we're getting to all this with my opinion, with opinions on coronavirus and opinions on the vaccine is simply, you know, we want to have this degree of personal agency and personal choice, which is great. But it's hypocritical to say you got to respect my personal choice and my personal right to choose or to not to choose, but then not respect someone else's personal right, God-given natural right to disagree with you and go a different direction. Okay. That's where there's a lot of hypocrisy with this going around, this whole thing. Uh, the other things, though, I would say about this, there are sections of the population that are more vulnerable to this than others. My point is, we should be increasing our personal responsibility in taking care of our health. If we were healthier as people, individuals, and took that on ourselves, we would be healthier as a population, and then this thing wouldn't be such a big deal. But the truth of the matter is, we are giving the right to our health instead of taking responsibility and ownership for our own health personally we're putting it on the doctors we're putting it on the government and then we put it on the doctors we put it on the government and then they're doing the best they can with the information that they have and then it doesn't work out the way we think it should and then all of a sudden oh it's a conspiracy or all of a sudden it's um oh they're trying to control me well maybe maybe not but if you were so worried about control, right, one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. But you could not control yourself enough to eat better, to work out and exercise, to make sure you get enough rest. Right. That's what's really going on is you feel guilty about not holding yourself to the standard that you're holding everybody else to. And that's hypocrisy. So if we were to increase our own personal health and increase the health of those around us. This is gospel too. This is part of the gospel. Also something interesting in the gospel of hip hop as well. It's called the H law, right? Health, love, awareness, and wealth, right? You got to increase your own health. That's mentally, spiritually, physically. And then as you get in a better place with you, you're able to help others increase their health mentally, physically, spiritually. So that's my opinion on that. If y'all wanted to know whoever asked that question and I uh, got time for one more. I'll answer this real quick, but I won't give an explanation. Uh, but I might give an explanation in a, a another episode so we can break down each one of these people. Uh, who are my top five MCs of all time? So here we go. Uh, one KRS one two K Reno. If y'all don't know him, he's a Houston guy. He's been doing it for a long time. Uh, three, Nas, not Lil Nas, Nas, the OG. Four, R.A., the Rugged Man, and five, Jay-Z. Those would be my, my personal top five. I could go into a bunch of reasons why, but we don't have time to right now. So thank you all for all the Q&A. Again, I like doing these episodes just to mix it up and then see where my audience is at. Um, things we got going on again, Kitchen Single, that's live on all digital streaming platforms right now. So look up Glory and Kitchen on whatever platform you use, it's there. Uh, for the Glory Podcast, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review as it increases the exposure. We're getting some good feedback on that right now. Uh, if you 
Listen on Spotify. Follow us on Spotify. We're also on Anchor FM for the Glory Podcast. Sidewalk album, which the kitchen kitchen will be on that album as well. Sidewalk album drops June twenty seventh. You can follow us on Instagram. That's at underscore Glory underscore. And again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to request to be a guest on um, this podcast, or you want to sponsor the podcast, uh, let us know. That is. Um, glory music at gmail.com so uh hope it's all good for y'all hope y'all are doing all right it's your boy young monk peace and blessings to you from the most high out